looking at the appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, which uh, the theological word for that, the highfalutin people who study the Bible and like big words, Christophanes, which is Christ, often is the idea of sightings or the idea of seeing Christ in the Old Testament. So it's a Christophanes that we're looking at this morning. Last week we looked at uh, how the Lord revealed himself so tenderly and so kindly, even to rejected people such as Hagar, and uh, how that uh, even though she was kicked out of her family uh, twice, yet the Lord saw her both times and spoke to her. And one of the first times we see the Lord speaking to a woman, well, we know he spoke to Eve, but he spoke to an outcast. And uh, we saw the tenderness of how the Lord, and how that she said, Thou, Lord, seest me. And it was the, the angel of the Lord. Now, another, we want to look at two contrasts, two more contrasts this morning in the time that we have. And one is the counsel of the Lord. As uh, we know that the Lord had judgment on David as well as the blessing of David. But uh, in 1 Kings 19, in 1 Kings 19, we have God dealing with his prophet. And we know that uh, the Lord had dealt with his prophet as you begin in 1 Kings chapter 17, that great passage where, uh, he stand, where Elijah stands before Ahab and, all of, and Ahab and all of his regalia and his court and everything. And Elijah the Tishbite said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Now we're going to see that again this morning uh, with uh, Isaiah who stood before the Lord. Well, here we have uh, Elijah saying, I'm not standing really before you, uh, Ahab. I'm standing before the Lord. What a blessing. Now, now we know the story of, of, uh, of how that God blessed him and he met the needs of Elijah, brought food to him with, uh, on raven's wings and so forth, and uh, how, that, uh, he, how that God uh, greatly used him. But then in chapter 19, we know that uh, uh, after he had the, <coughs> excuse me, after he um, had had that great confrontation with the prophets of Baal, and how that he had called fire down from heaven, and he the, and he slew 100, 450 prophets of Baal, and all the and then he ran about 15 miles back to to uh, the capital in Samaria. But then after all that, I mean, after all that God had spoken to him, he heard the rumor that a woman was after him. And what was her name? Jezebel. Jezebel. So after he saw all the great things that God had done, yet he ran from a woman. Now, of course, in our society, our ladies might say, well, you know, what's so wrong with that? But for an Arab to run from a woman... I mean, just think about what they're doing to women today. They're loading them up with explosives and saying, hey, you stand in front of me, knowing that the Westerners won't shoot at them. I mean, that's what they think of women. And so for, uh, for Elijah to run from a woman would have been, uh, of course, that Middle Eastern idea would have been, you know, the lowest of lows. And yet we know that uh, as he ran, <coughs> we saw, we look in, we want to look just at the counsel of the Lord in chapter 19, verses 4 through 8, we see that he himself was a, a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under, the King James says, a juniper tree. 
the, the New King James says broom tree. It was a little shady tree. It wasn't a huge oak tree, whatever it was. And it was a juniper tree as known of today. It was just hardly a twig. I mean, it was, wasn't, you know, you'd have to move around to keep the sun off of you. So the broom tree was a little bit more shady, but there again, those are the interpretations, you know, some of those, uh, some of those biological terms, or well, botany terms, bot botanical terms that uh, are there. Um, and so, uh, so it was a little shady tree, not much, but it was out in the middle of the desert, and he prayed that he might die. Now that's getting pretty low, when you just want to go ahead and die. And so he was depressed. Now, why? think about why he was depressed. He had done some great things for the Lord. And there was great excitement, calling fire down from heaven, standing in front of thousands of people and doing that. And then uh, being a part of killing the, the prophets of Baal. 400. 400, well, 450 other, wasn't it? 450, whatever. But uh, then... I mean, now my numbers are getting messed up. Yep. Uh, that's the thing about, did he kill them all or did, did he uh, have other people to help him? But there again, that takes a lot of effort. You know how many of you have seen me after a church service, uh, and my wife especially. Sunday night, I'm dead. I'm, and all I've done is preach. I haven't called fire down from heaven. I haven't gone out and whooped up on uh, any of you guys or whatever. You know, I don't want to kill you. But, you know, I want you to come back. But, you know... Uh, but I have a, t you know, then run 15 miles down the mountain. Do you think he might be a little tired and stressed out? Yeah, but you, you don't have Jezebel chasing you. Well, there again, then you get, to, then you hear that a woman is chasing you. So there, not only are you fearful because she is a treacherous woman, yeah. but you're shameful. You're ashamed that you're having to run from a woman. So how much lower can you get? I mean, you're totally exhausted, physically, emotionally. How could you watch God do a miracle like that and then be afraid? How could that happen? Why can't we have prayers answered one day and the next day we're scared to death we're going to lose everything? Why are we like that ourselves? And why is it that uh, even though I've seen great things from the Lord, when I get tired and whenever I feel bad and whenever I just feel like the whole, I not, I've not got to the point where I've asked the Lord to kill me. That's, that's the depth of depression. Now, I have told you about the time I was coming out of medication after heart surgery, and boy, that depth of depression, if that's what depression is, then I don't blame people for not wanting to live very long. I mean, that, that was the lowest I've ever been, but it was medically in, induced. But even in that, I learned, and that's where the Lord came to me, and I remember they're talking about the Lord speaking to you, are you gonna praise me? And so that was that sacrifice of praise right there. I praise, did it just, did all of a sudden, did everything just cheer right up? No. But I knew the Lord was there. And so, and, and it was another thing that he, that he said, just a little phrase from the Bible, just the Lord speaking to me, this too shall pass. Okay, Lord, you know, that's all I need to know. I mean, this is not going to be the end. And he just gave me kind of, did he speak to me? Did I see angels in heaven? No. And just the word of God came to me. And that's what, you know, that's what I like what uh, R.A. Torrey, who was a great preacher back around 1900, and one of the last great revivals in, America, in the United States, the Billy Sunday 
uh, Ari Tory, well, there was a progression, Moody, um, Tory, Sunday. Those were the last great revivals we had uh, 150 to 100 years ago. But, um, but uh, Ari Tory was a great, great writer, too. And uh, in one book I read one time of this, and he said, when you're distressed and you're really seeking the Lord, and a verse comes to you from the Word of God, that then take that as God speaking to you. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. Now, there again, test the spirits. Don't put two verses together, you know, uh, where it says um, Judas went out and hung himself. And then go thou and do likewise. Don't put two verses together. I mean, those are two different chapters, you know, or books. But they're there again. Uh, Don't put things together or don't try to conjure up things that God said. But if you just if you're just sitting there and a, and the word comes to you, you know, take it as of the Lord, you know, that He's speaking to you, and so that's the way God speaks, and He comforts. I remember one time I was really under a lot of stress, and Lord, what do I do? And I was just really just what what do I say? And there again, first or Isaiah chapter thirty came to me. And quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I'm going, I don't have to do anything. No, just shut up and watch, you know, <laughs> basically what the Lord was telling me. And there again, and then, you know what? He was right. And so, again, did that pass? Yes. Did God take care of it? Yes. But when those things happen in your life, you don't forget them. Now, does he do it every day? No. If he did it every day, you would, we would forget it, just like when he went answer prayer the very next day we're scared, you know, or whatever. So there's, there's always something that we need as we walk with the Lord. But here we see that this man was greatest, one of the greatest men in all the Bible. He's, I mean, one of the greatest miracle workers in all the Bible. He's healed sick. He, he's, uh, he's uh, the things he's did, he did with the, uh, um, with the, uh, oil that never ran out and all the rest, you know. So he had seen some great miracles of the Lord. And yet the best of men, and that's the thing, and that's why, why does it happen? If it happens to the best of men, then it can happen to people like me. Because there's no temptation taking you, but such as it's common to man. And that's why I like the fact that the Bible gives us the strengths and shows us the great exploits of some of his men and women. But he also shows us his, our, his, their weaknesses. And here we have a situation where the, the, where the Lord appears in the Old Testament to Elijah. And we see that he went a day's journey into the wilderness. Um, and he says, it's enough. And he says, um, now, Lord, take, me, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now, I, like, I had a, a, one message that I, I heard uh, one time, and I still like it. It was how to have a successful nervous breakdown. And he, and he used Elijah. And he said, okay, first of all, he's tired. He's worn out. He has panicked in the face of danger. And as a result, now he is to the point where he just wants to die. I mean, I mean that's tired. When you're that tired that you just don't even want to get up again. But then notice the pity party. Am I not better than my father's? Who said he was? <laughs> You know, he's trying to equate himself with other people. Am I not better? 
And so he's, uh, he's really just, uh, you know, the Lord, uh, you know, am I better than my... No, you're not. Whoever gave you that idea in the first place, Elijah? Well, I've done all these great things for you, Lord. Look, well, no, Elijah, you're just like the rest of us. You're just a man saved by grace that God, through his grace, has used. And so don't think you're any bigger than your fathers are or anybody else in the church or whatever else. He says, and then he lay and slept. And now notice what God did. What did he need? Sleep. You know, uh, my wife went through some postpartum things. You know what they, and later on she was able to help a lot of other ladies. But you know what, a lot of the ladies that uh, would come to her about it and what the, what the uh, she found out, many of them said, Whenever they were, all they did was put them in a, in a, in a special unit in the hospital. And you know what they did? Let them sleep. <laughs> you know, that's one of, the, one of the greatest ways of taking care of postpartum problems. Now, my wife had some problems with the drugs she was taking. And so that really was a, a, a problem with us for about a week or two, several. Well, the, the, the problems, the half-lives of those drugs lasted about a year. And even today, she still isn't. Ever since that time, um, me driving, um, she's, she's over there telling me how to drive. She never did that before. But, <laughs> ah, you know, and, I, and we want to go see our kids in Virginia. We're going to fly. I am not going to drive her through those mountains anymore. She wasn't like that before, before Jason was born. But there again, you know, but, there again, but what did she need? She needed sleep. So what knows what the Lord does? He doesn't, uh, uh, he's, he just lay, he, then he, the Lord doesn't say anything to him, but notice this is the angel of the Lord. Then as the, he lay and slept under the broom tree and suddenly an angel, and we'll see it's the angel in a moment, touched him and said, arise and eat. Now what was the second thing he needed? And Food and drink. <laughs> he needed rest and recuperation. And so we see, then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals. Now it's interesting. You know, where else do we see uh, food cooked on coals? By the Lord. 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 Remember the Sea of Galilee and the people that I go fishing. I've labored all night and caught nothing. I'm tired. But when they got to the shore, the Lord had food ready for them. It's kind of interesting. You know, and, and so, you know, several times we see God cooking something. I imagine that was good food. You think it was 100% nutritious? <laughs> you know, and so uh, he, he cake baked on cold. And a jar of water. I mean, it would, it would have probably been a big jar of water. That's what he needed, wasn't it? Nourishment. Have you ever been really thirsty? And I found this out myself. Um, I, I have tendency to have low blood pressure in the morning. And most people do. But mine is a little bit not normal, but on the low side of normal. And so, you know what the doctors told me to do? And I, I, I almost instantly feel it. Drink a big glass of water. So I get up in the morning, wash my mouth out so that you don't have a little, uh, you know, in there, and go in, and I drink a, and I could feel the strength coming back. 
I could feel my blood pressure going up. And I did it this morning. It's because I know it's a little low, but you know, water helps you with your blood pressure. Well, if you're depressed and you're down and dehydrated and tired and you've run and you call fire down from heaven and you're running, uh, you might be a little depressed physically too, you think? And so. I don't know. I mean, I don't worry about that. I just worry about the low blood pressure. So, <laughs> so uh, but you know, the, the Lord, he was low. And you know, that's associated a lot of times with depression, is low blood pressure. But, uh, and that, I found that out too. But, uh, you know, so if it's physical, so the Lord knew what he needed emotionally as well as physically. The Lord knows all about our trials. He will guide till the day is done. And so we see now that, uh, and he drank, and notice what? He was still tired. So he lay down again, and so the Lord let him sleep. And then notice the angel of the Lord uh, came back the second time. So notice an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, uh, saying, uh, whenever you see the angel of the Lord, that's the Christophany, a second time, and touched him. There again, we're going to see the Lord touching um, Isaiah tonight. When the Lord touches us, things change. And he said, arise and eat. Okay, so this is the second course of the meal. He ate the first time, but now he eats again. And because the journey was too great for you, so he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb. My, oh my. I would like to have that kind of food, wouldn't you? But uh, how long did the Lord, uh, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And here he's in the wilderness. But he went to Horeb. You know where Horeb was? Horeb was where, uh, where Moses got the law of God. This was Mount Sinai. So he went back to the very origins of the nation of Israel where God was going to speak to him. And so, and to the, notice to the mountain of God. And so the Lord took him back to the birthplace of the nation. He was fighting for the nation and God takes him back to the very roots of it. And 40 days, so he's restored now. He's got his strength back but his mind still isn't there. He's still, you know, have you ever been broken where you just, you're so broken that you just can't come out of it? Most of us have. I mean, it's been a rite of passage for most of us. Uh, and unfortunately, several times in our lives. Those are hard. Very difficult. But notice, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place, verse 9, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. There is that idea, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I like when the Lord asks questions. Remember the first questions he asked? Where are you, Adam? Now, does the Lord know the answer before? He, the Lord's a good lawyer. And from what I understand, uh, a lawyer on the court trial, he already knows the answer before he asks it, right? 
What are you doing here, Elijah? He already knew, but he was wanting to get him talking. And he said, and he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now, Lord, why are you letting all that happen? Why are you letting this stuff happen in the Middle East? Why are you letting this happen in my life? Why are you letting good people hurt me? Why are you letting that scoundrel down the street live a better life than me? He stole everything you ever owned. You know, and yet here I am slaving away and you know, go to church every Sunday and just I to meet little turkeys there at church. Like, no, I won't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's really easy to get down. And get down on God's people. And get down on the people who love you. And just have a, boy, was this a good pity party? I mean, this is, you know, the, the Bible's greatest pity party is here. Boy, he was down. And he said, uh, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now here the Lord was saying, and it's interesting how the Lord talks, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And yet he was the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great strong wind and tore through, or whirlwind, as King James says, and it tore through the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Now, when you, a wind breaks the rocks, that's a pretty strong wind, isn't it? I mean, it picked them up and threw them up against the canyon, the walls. I mean, that is pretty strong. Uh, anybody been in a tornado? Anybody, anybody been in a hurricane? I've been in a couple. In fact, I thought I knew, I grew up in Florida, so I'd been through several hurricanes. And uh, one came through a mobile, and it was supposed to have 145-mile-an-hour winds. Well, I'd been through 100-mile-an-hour winds, and I was still single and stupid. But uh, uh, I remember staying in the church. Um, and um, about 7 o'clock at night, I heard, well, actually, what it was, the tornadoes coming through uh, the uh, windows, one of the biggest problems with, with the hurricanes is they spawn tornadoes. And I heard things that sound like freight trains coming through. And I, the next day I found out the whole, I mean, these big, huge um, pecan trees. That was a big orchard of them or grove of them next door, and all of them were just down. And uh, big old huge pine trees that were in the back of our church lot just bent over like toothpicks. I mean... You know, one of them came through, right through my mobile home that I'd stuck back there as a single guy. I just threw one back there and started a church. You know, it was one of those things. Uh, and uh, once I got married, I found out I couldn't do that anymore. Women are expensive. But, you know, but, uh, but when you're single, you can do all kinds of crazy things, you know. But, uh, um, but I found out what winds were like. And I tell you, folks, and I had other people say, Brother Dan, or people up and down the street, the later on, we everybody we didn't have any power, so everybody just of all that seafood that people had in there, and steaks and venison, it was all going to bad. So everybody started cooking it. We had one big huge uh, block party, best best eating you'll ever have. Any type of food you wanted, you know, just seafood, venison, steak, you know, chicken, you know, <laughs> because everybody's having to cook it up and get rid of it. But uh, but uh, I had many people say, preacher. I don't mind telling you, I was down on my knees begging God to save me. I'm going, well, praise the Lord, you need to be in church and you need to be saved, you know. But uh, there again, it has a way of humbling you. 
And so what was the Lord doing with Elijah? You know, is that what Elijah needed, was to see God's power at this time? Well, he was taking care of his pride, putting a little bit more fear into him. Uh, you, uh, Elijah, if Jezebel, if you're afraid of Jezebel, what she can do to you, just think what I can do to you. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, first of all, you're seeing my power. And he broke the rocks in pieces, but the Lord was not in the wind. In other words, he didn't speak through the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Now, has anybody been in an earthquake? I haven't. But I've had many people tell me that it's like the whole, I mean, you just, the, the, the ground starts looking like the water. I mean, it just is, you know, just moving up and down and things are shaking all over. And there again, very scary. I've never been in one. I'm not sure I want to be in one. But then again, uh, here he is. He just saw a big tornado. And now he's shaking a, so the Lord is shaking him up a little bit physically. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. So the Lord just kind of sat back and not let, you know, so here he's seeing all this, but he doesn't feel the comfort of the Lord. And he doesn't feel the presence of the Lord. Um, and after the earthquake, a fire. Now that's scary. He called fire down from heaven. He knew what it could do. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Isn't it interesting how that God can speak to us in very many different ways, but God chose not to use the tornado, chose not to use the earthquake, chose not to use the fire, but a still, small voice. Oh, if I just saw fire come down from heaven, I'd believe God. No, you wouldn't. If you don't hear the voice of God, you're not going to believe anything else about him either. And he speaks to us through his word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. And so, and so it was when Elijah heard it. Now notice, that's when he heard it. As he heard the Lord. And he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. I mean, he was scared. He, you know, he was scared, about, but now there was a voice that scared him. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time. And the Lord God came to him the second time. You know, we saw that uh, in the Garden of Eden. And he said, I have been very zealous. And he goes back through his spiel again. Very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. And they said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm mad because my preaching hasn't done what I wanted it to do. And I've been very zealous and I've preached to them and all they've done is kill the prophets and they've torn down your altars and I alone am left to seek to, and they seek to take my life. I'm so alone, Lord. I'm the only person out here left for preaching your word. I tell you folks, sometimes as a pastor you feel that way. It's a lonely path. Especially when you see the popular people that are leading people astray. And it gets pretty lonely, especially when you've had somebody say, Pastor, I don't, you know, I, I want to go to a church that uh, isn't as strict as you are. I'm going, strict? All I'm doing is preaching the word, you know? And so, uh, and one guy did that. He went, and, uh, <clears throat> and I saw, the last time I saw him was we were at a gas station. And, uh, talking to him. He was a Hispanic guy, good guy, but uh, he didn't, he wanted to go to a church that had a lot more parties. 
And uh, I asked him, where are you going tonight? He said, oh, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to a dance. And I said, is there going to be a lot of alcohol? Yeah. And, but it's a church, church event. I'm going, okay, you know, I'm just, you're not going to, you know, if that's what attracts them. But did, did that discourage me? Yes, because you pour your life into people like that, but then they want to go off to something that suits their needs better. And that's, that hurts, especially when you need them. You know? And you feel like, what's the church going to do now that I'm losing people or whatever? And yet, does God know what he's doing? And so, yeah, there again, every time that has happened, God has always sent somebody to replace them so much better. It's interesting how I've seen that time and time again. And so, uh, but then again, I feel like I'm the only one in, in Belvedere preaching the word. And then I'll get a call from a pastor who's going through the same problem. Brother Dan, or uh, no, I got a, a pastor friend. And he'll come, I haven't talked to you in about a year, but you want to go out and get a cup of coffee? Like, yeah, let's go out and get a cup. So we'll go to, and that guy knows everybody around. I mean, every time I see him, he knows the sheriffs. His daughters have, date, have dated uh, the sheriff that just won uh, and all this kind of stuff. His, his, uh, um, his daughter is a coroner here. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And he's been out there preaching, you know, out in the country for the last uh, 40 years. Just faithful to God. Are we a little different in a lot of ways? Yeah. But I'm sure it's good to have fellowship with the people that love the Lord, isn't it? And it's interesting. He's always called me when I'm down. <laughs> I'm not always down. But, you know, there again, it's interesting when the Lord knows when. To, or I'll try, I called him one time and I repaid the favor. He likes McDonald's coffee and a bagel. So I, you know, I'll pick up a bagel and, and, so, and we'll get together and uh, talk about old times and what that used to happen in camp life, or, you know, church camps and all, and evangelistic meetings. and uh, Don't have a whole lot in common with him, but he's out there preaching the word. That's all we need, all I need to know. Hey, there's at least two of us here in town. I know there's more than that, but, you know, it's, it's good to know that. And so, uh, but, you know, it is easy to get to say, you know, I'm the only person around that really loves the Lord. I'm the only person in my church that really is doing right. All the rest of those people are just... You know, isn't it easy to, I mean, everybody, everybody in church is talking about me. You just, I mean, you can really get down, can't you? And yeah, they might be talking about you because they're praying for you, trying to get you up a little bit, you know. They're not talking bad about you at all. They're just concerned. And so, again, uh, <clears throat> but it's easy how the devil can get us down. But I like what the Lord does here. And he says, and he said, I'm the only one that left. And then the Lord said, go and return uh, on your way to the wilderness to Damascus. So go get back into the ministry. And then I'm going to have you, um, I'm going to have you um, anoint some people that are going to chastise Israel. And that's going to be a king. But uh, then notice in verse uh, and verse, oh, let's see. Wait a minute. I'm looking for where the Lord tells them there's, I've still got several more people. I just. Verse 18. Verse 18. Okay. Yeah. Elijah, you're not alone. There's 7,000 of them out there. I mean, 
you know, we're not alone here. We're not the only church in the country that's trying and struggling and wanting to see God. There's a lot of them out there. Aren't you glad? But is God going to still judge the Israel? Yes. <laughs> but, there, but there's always that remnant. There's always the people that God is going to work through. And so we see the great comfort and the tremendous, he's the wonderful counselor, isn't he? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He's the counselor. He knows exactly what you need. Jesus knows all about our sorrows. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. And he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Isn't it good that we have a God like that? So, yes, we can learn a lot about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, in closing, there's one top place, though, if you turn from 1 Kings chapter nine, uh, 19 to 2 Kings chapter 19, we see what God can do in his power. And in, cha in 2 Kings chapter um, 1, let's see, wait a minute, 2 Kings um, 19, um, okay, there, I'm sorry. Verse 35. Now, you remember the story of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah laid everything up before the Lord. And said, I mean, remember uh, how that the Sennacherib had sent uh, his uh, Rabshakeh to uh, Babylon or to uh, Jerusalem and uh, had threatened and boy he would have sent the papers from Sennacherib and said if you don't uh, if you don't uh, surrender then we're going to I mean it's going to be bad news for you and so uh, Hezekiah just lays them out before the Lord that's a good thing to do sometimes if you feel like you got too many bills just put them out in front of the Lord and get in front of the Lord <laughs> you know I've done that before but uh, he says and it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord came or went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. Now he took care of one man, but in one small, that still small voice can either comfort or it can kill 185,000. Is, is that not power? Is that Joshua? No, this is 185,000. This was Hezekiah and again, uh, well, actually, this is Isaiah, uh, Isaiah. Isaiah prophesying through to Hezekiah. He said, stay strong. God will take care of you. And 185,000 were killed. So we see the angel of the Lord can be your best friend or your worst enemy. You don't want to stand before the Lord and get in your own guilt. I don't believe that, Pastor. I like my stock answer. I don't believe all that stuff you're saying. I'll look at it for a second. One day you will. One day you will, because you're going to stand before the Almighty God. Today he wants to bless and comfort and save you, but one day you'll endure his wrath. So are those two, two tremendous uh, opposites of what the Lord can do? He can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. And so there again, we, we talked about uh, the, the, um, the Lord of hosts. And there's what the Lord resists the proud, but he, but he, um, 
Okay. But he give, okay. He bless, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, that word resist is a military term, meaning he marshals his forces. So there again, the Lord of, Lord of hosts. Do you want his angels working with you or against you? Do you want the now... Do you want to walk with him and his angels or do you want him to walk along with you and to knock you back in line? And the Lord has great ways of knocking you back in line. Whom the Lord loves, he chases. But there again, that's a whole near story, isn't it? But the power of God, the power to be gentle, and it takes power to be gentle, and the power to destroy. But that's who our Jesus is. He's in control. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Bless us through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.